Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Amen. Good morning, Coastal. God is good. And all the time. Thank you, Lord. Y'all have a great Thanksgiving? Yeah, Billy took half my sermon this morning. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. God is good, and he is worthy to be praised this morning. Amen? We've come today to glorify the king. One of the purposes that God allows for us to participate in is to honor Jesus. You know, he came into this world. He came into a hostile place. He came into a place that turned their back on him and the opposite of what the church is called to do. So on Sundays and every day, we come together as, as a body of believers to honor and to glorify Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Uh, let's pray. Father, we do thank you this morning that you are here. We thank you that you are always with us. You'll never not be with us. We thank you for that grace, that mercy, Lord. This morning, as we approach your throne, as we continue to press into your throne this morning, we just ask that you would have your way in this place. Lord, that you would crucify this man's tongue and my heart and just allow you to come forth. Lord, we just thank you for uh, a word in season. Lord, we thank you for lives changed. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our lives and in our community and in our church. Thank you, Jesus. And all who would agree with that would say amen. amen. Thank you, Lord. Listen, we've been in this great series that Pastor Lucas has been teaching us about joy. I don't know about you, but we all need a little more joy, right? I mean, it's been some good stuff the last month or so. We, and we've been in one chapter pretty much, you know, John chapter 4. And he's touched on just about all the great stuff in there, you know. And, um, you know, from the point where there is joy in obedience, the fact that I would just, like, drop my thinking, drop my bucket, drop my rope, and be obedient to what God will have for me. You know, there's joy in that. There's, there's rejoicing and joy in that. There's joy in the surrender. We, you know, Pastor Lucas was teaching us and sharing us the truth about, you know, there's freedom, there's liberty, there is, there is true life and life abundant in the surrender to God. Last week, he was teaching us about the, that there is uh, joy in worship, that we should be people who, who desire to worship God in spirit and in truth. There's joy in that. Today, I want to just talk a little bit about, and I won't keep you long, joy in the disappointment. Joy in the disappointment. This time of year, as Pastor Lucas touched on, this time of year... Uh, it's challenging for some people a lot of times. You know, those, maybe those regrets, those broken relationships, those lost loved ones remembered. You know, it just kind of seems like this time of year kind of just, you know, kind of magnifies that. And, and you know, disappointment um, is a part of it. In John 4, you know, we, we, we heard the story. We know the story by now. We know that, you know, Jesus went out of his way. To, to a well in advance for a woman to show up and that he would show her that he was all that she would need. 
The Holy Spirit moves in this woman. She understands that he is the Messiah and runs off and tells everybody, come and see. Right? The village is changed. Great stuff. Awesome stuff. Lives are changed forever, for eternity. Right? But there's one verse that I want to touch on. And it's verse 4. It says that Jesus had to, had to go through Samaria. Not he preferred to or would like to. It says he had to. He had to. And I am here today to say, why? Why did he have to? He, have, he had to, in my point of view, because there was a need that been, what, uh, there was a need that needed met. He needed that need to be met. So Jesus went ahead of time and waited for her, and her need was met. Amen? He had to go that way. In other words, that's an example of God's providence. That's an example, just one example. Matter of fact, you can't get away from one word, one paragraph, one story, one chapter without being a part of God's providence. And this morning, I want to just talk a little bit about God's providence and, and, and what that's all about. The providence, providence, what does it mean? It means it, it is the means by which God directs all things, seen and unseen, both good and bad, both big and small, towards a worthy purpose, his glory, which means his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? The word providence actually comes from the Latin word to provide, which actually means to, to see beforehand, to foresee, to know ahead of time. God's providence, his divine providence, goes beyond the unseen, or goes beyond the seen circumstances to the unseen reality of God's perfect plan for your life and for my life. Say it again. Divine providence looks beyond seen circumstances into the reality, the reality, people, of God's plan purpose for your life. How many know God's got a plan for your life? Thank you, Lord. How many knows that? There's, there's a joy in knowing that God's got a plan for our lives, right? What's God's mission? God's mission is to save those that are lost and to mold and shape them into the image of his son, that's God's mission. That's God's plan. God wastes nothing. Absolutely nothing. Another way you could say that is everything happens for a reason. Anybody believe that? Everything. Not some things, not those things, not her things, not his things. Everything. Everything happens for a reason. The psalmist said it this way, the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. Paul said it this way in Ephesians, being predestined according to his purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. Providence is the, one of the most important things for Christians to understand in the sense that it is God's hand moving and caring for his creation. You, me, all that he created, right? Divine providence means that he is the absolute ruler. God 
is in control of his creation. He is the one and only. He is the one who has the final say. Nothing, and hear me, friends, brothers, sisters, y'all out there on the internet, listen, nothing, absolutely nothing is outside of God's providence. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And we got to take that and we got to understand that because there is joy in understanding that truth. There is joy. Providence is the unseen rudder, if you will, that steers a ship. That's what God's providence does. He directs and leads us in a way that he desires for us to be. Amen? Another way of saying it, God makes great doors swing on little hinges. Great big doors swing on little hinges because he is a great big God and because he is in sovereign, total control of all things. When someone understands the providence of God, they understand that God is in complete control and he will use your sin, your past failures, everything in your life, and he will recycle them and he will use it for the good, for your good, for the good, for the kingdom. That's God's purpose. That's God's providence. So I want to look at an instance of providence today. Anybody here? Joseph? Please raise one person, raise their hand. Somebody here, Joseph? Okay. Thank you, Lord. You know, Joseph. You know, Old Testament Joseph. Old Testament Joseph. I'm going to, like, cover 39 years in, like, a paragraph, okay? So go back and read it for yourself. But our, our text pretty much happens between uh, Genesis 37 all the way up to Genesis 50. That's kind of, like, what's happening here. So we are introduced to Joseph in Genesis 37, yeah, 37 too. At the age of 17, at the age of 17, uh, it tells us that he had 10 older brothers, older brothers, and these guys uh, didn't care for him much. Probably because Joseph was kind of uh, pompous, self-centered, kind of like a punk 17-year-old kid. I'm sure you don't have any of those, but you know, you know, kind of like me at 17, you know, it was just, he was a tattletale, you know, every time his brothers did something or didn't do something, he would run to dad, Jacob, and tell, you know, the brothers are, are slacking or whatever, and, and not even always truthful. He's kind of like a deceitful dude, right? At this point, God is with Joseph, and God gives Joseph these dreams, and, and, and the dream, one of the dreams was the fact that all those people, all his family, all people would bow down before him, right? So what does Joseph do? He goes and tells his brothers, listen, y'all are going to bow before me. They hated his guts. They were planning on killing him, killing him. But before that, his brother Reuben said, no, 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 we don't want the blood on our hands. Let's just throw him in a cistern or let's just throw him down a well. Right, a cistern is, is a well-like type substance where that just kind of catches water. There's no water in this cistern. And it's usually about 15 to 20 feet deep. So they threw him in the cistern. That could have killed him on, on its own, right? They threw him in the cistern. Then some traders come by, right? And they're like, well, listen, let's just sell him. 
let's just sell them to these traders and it'll, it'll go away. We won't get charged for killing our brothers, you know, and, and we'll be done with this guy. Joseph, the dad, didn't help at all. This guy, he was blatantly um, just a front of how uh, Joseph was his favorite. So the father is throwing gasoline on flames to the point where the, the brothers are like, that's it. We hate this guy. We need to get rid of him. So they sell him at the last second to these traders. They take him to Egypt, right? He gets this gig with Potiphar, you know, uh, a well-to-do uh, official in Egypt. The Bible says that God was with him. That meant that God's favor went with him. God's provisions went with him. God's plan went with him. So now Joseph, hated by his brothers, attempted murder, threw him in the well, called him off to Egypt. He got a gig with Potiphar, and God is with him, and everything is going great, right? I mean, he's like, he's, he's balanced the books, you know, there's, there's abundance. He's, he's just the great administrator, you know, God is with him. Problem is, Potiphar's wife's got a thing for 17-year-old boys, apparently. And, and she was attracted to him. We, we can, you know, come to the conclusion. So much to the point where she tried to seduce Joseph. Joseph said, nah, ain't happening. Two reasons. One, I'm loyal to my master. He has given me what I have now, and I do not want to betray his trust. And two, he didn't want to sin against his God. So the Bible tells us that that dude jetted out of there, leaving some of his clothes behind, and didn't touch her. She gets bent out of shape and says, listen, he raped me, and they throw him in jail. Right? In jail, it just keeps going. In jail, Joseph, it says again, the Lord is with him. So in jail, his buddies, he's got a couple buddies inside, and they both had a dream, and they were perplexed about the dream. So God was with Joseph, and Joseph translated the dream for his two buddies, right? The one, and they both came to pass. All, all, his, all his interpretation or his, and uh, his dreams all came to pass, his interpretation of those dreams. He says, listen, I'll tell you the dream. I'll tell you what it means if. When you get out of here in three days, you go tell Pharaoh. So that happens, right? He tells him the dream. The guy gets out of three days. Crickets, nothing. Nothing comes from Pharaoh. He sat in prison another two years. Until in uh, what is it, Genesis 41, it says that Joseph was 30 years old. Remember, 17? Now he's 30. Now he's in service to the Pharaoh. Now he's been moved, he's been promoted, if you will, in a spiritual kind of way to his next step. He interprets Pharaoh's dream as that seven years of plenty and harvesting, and then there'll be seven years of, of famine where there'll be no sowing and no plowing, and millions would die. So Pharaoh's like, okay, handle it. Handle it. He put some things in place so that the grain would be saved and all the, you know, the provisions for the lean years would be there. Then, 
Seven years of abundance go by. Two years into the famine, Joseph's brothers show up looking for some, some food. Joseph's brother shows up, and now he's 39 years old. 17, 39. That's some book ends. So let me ask you a question as we, as we kind of meditate on the life of Joseph. Who's in charge of your world today? Who's in charge of your world? Not the world, your world. Who's running your show? Who's in charge? That's basically the question that Joseph had to deal with for those 13 years in prison and the 22 years that he was estranged from his family. That's basically what Joseph was dealing with. When we realize that God is caring behind the scenes for you and me, for his creation, there is joy in that. There is joy in knowing that even in the disappointments, God is in control. God is in charge. Even in the disappointments, listen, God is in control over all world powers. He's in charge of all world powers, right? Christ is more powerful than the strongest king. He is more powerful than the largest army. He is greater and stronger than the greatest empires. He is the king, capital K, of kings. He is the Lord, capital L, of lords. He is the one. Jesus told Pilate, you have, could have no power against me unless it was given to you from above. Daniel the prophet said, blessed be the name of God. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. God is in charge of these world powers out there. So we can see all that's going on. God is still in charge. He is in control over not only world powers, but human history even. Human history, right? God has a plan for the nations. And a nation who is wise would bow and make their throne below God's throne. Our founding fathers believed that. You know, one nation under God kind of thing. He's in control of our current events. God is in control of our current events. The Bible says the Lord is great and the Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heavens and on earth. It's real easy just to go home and watch the news and get all worked up. Maybe we need to like shut the TV off and maybe open the Bible and then rest in peace. One of the most comforting truths in the Bible is that God is in control of my life. He is in control of your life. He's in control of your children's life, your spouse's life. He is in charge and in control. His control extends over our life every day of it. There is never a day and there will never be a day that your life isn't completely controlled by the sovereign God. If we understand it or we don't. A.W. Tozer says it this way. To a child of God, there is no such thing as an accident. He travels an appointed way. Accidents may indeed appear to befall him and misfortune stalk his way. But these evils will be so in appearance only and will seem evil only 
because we cannot read the secret script that God has hidden in his providence. We don't know it all. We don't know a fraction. But God does. God knows it all and works it all for the good. Right? We all have disappointments. We all have, you know, times that are, are heavy and just it, just it just drains the life out of us. Right? The ten brothers, they wanted to kill him. There's no, there's no fudging. There's no way around it. These guys, although from another mother, hated his guts and, would, and wanted to kill him. Not about you, but if my family wanted to kill me, that would really mess with my head. You know, being thrown into a well. Listen, the Bible tells us in there that when they threw him into the cistern, the brothers, what did they do? They went and had lunch. They had lunch, like right there. It says that he begged from the well, from the cistern. He begged for his life. And the dudes are sitting there eating lunch. I don't know about you, but that would mess me up. You know, these are my people. That would mess me up. And you know what happens or what could happen? And what happened to me is that when disappointment came, we tend sometimes, sometimes, to start thinking, well, I must be a mistake. You know, um, I can remember, you know, I started meditating on that a little bit this, this week and, you know, and trying to find that life-changing um, disappointment, maybe. <clears throat> and, and it was blank all week. I couldn't find it. I'm just so blessed. I can't go and find it, I guess. Uh, but over there worshiping, I found it. Thank you, Lord. You are not a mistake. I am not a mistake. If we start believing the disappointments, we'll start thinking, well, maybe, maybe I'm just not right. Maybe, maybe I'm the problem. I remember, it's funny how you remember things that you would never remember um, like, I can't remember yesterday, most of it. But, uh, you know, I can remember a point in time when I was about that big, and, um, and you, some may have heard this, and may probably haven't. But, you know, as a real young person, real young, like young, <laughs> uh, uh, my dad decided he was leaving. And uh, I was glad that he left. I was glad, because all the stuff that was going on wasn't good. And um, something happened in me when he left. What I thought, no, no, no guilt on his part, no condemnation on my father's part. It's just me, and it's us. We all have these times. But when he left, it was a clear indication that I wasn't worthy enough. I wasn't good enough. Maybe I was the mistake. 
He doesn't want to be with my mother, and my mother doesn't want to be with him, and maybe they're together just because I happened. I was the mistake that caused all that. That's stinking thinking. That's nauseating in the sight of God. That is not the truth of God. That is the truth of Jim. That is my experience, and that is what I built around. It's not God's doing at all. So we all have disappointments. And if you're here today and you think you are a mistake, I'm here to tell you, you are not a mistake. You are an appointed vessel that God has chosen to use. He has chosen to use you. He's chosen to use Pastor Lucas. He's chosen to use every soul in this room, people watching by hand. Nothing falls apart away from the providence of God. Nothing takes God by surprise. You are not a mistake. Can you see the hand of God moving in Joseph's life here where, like, they're like, okay, let's kill him. And then God's like, poof, there's a cistern. Oh, okay, we'll throw him in the well. Oh, he's definitely going to die in there. Now, Reuben, he, he thinks he's coming back to get him, but he really wouldn't. He's going to die in there. Boom, hand of God. Some traitors show up out of nowhere coming by, right? Gets him to Potiphar. Gets him to Egypt. He gets a free ride to Egypt, if you will. Beats death in a well. God's providence. He's always ahead of us. He's always a step ahead of us. He's always waiting at your well for us to come. You know, Joseph was disappointed by his family. He was disappointed by his employer, right? He was disappointed by his friends. You know, he was loyal to Potiphar. One accusation, and he's thrown in prison, and it says that his master forgot about it. That just seems like the, doesn't seem right. God, why do you do it that way? Friends, we all know friends. You know, we've had close friends, and, and, you know, stuff happens. We're all imperfect, broken people, so. Joseph had joy in the disappointment because he knew the Lord was with him. He knew the Lord was with him. At some point, Joseph learned this truth. And at some point, we learned this truth. The truth is that God's plan for Joseph and God's plan for you is so much greater than we can even understand. So much greater than we even can see at times. He learned that God's plan in, the, in, in all of this was bigger than him. And it was so much bigger than him. And it is so much bigger for you and me. How do we endure disappointment? I think Joseph learned this truth. We find it back at the well. Right? How do you continue to endure disappointment and difficulties and challenges in your life? How do you endure? Jesus said it this way. I have a kind of food you know nothing about. He explains in verse 34 of chapter 4. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know, if you're, if you're suffering and you're having a hard time and you're just out there and you, 
don't understand why. It's hard. But those same circumstances, those same challenges, if you know why, if you know there is a purpose, if we know that God is going to work this, it is so much easier to endure disappointments, those difficulties, those challenges. Listen, Joseph had big dreams in his life. You know, like, like most of us. He had big dreams at 17. Big aspirations. Had it all planned out like we thought we did. Right? But at some point in this story, I can't help but think that Joseph had to have said to himself, why me? Why me? There are times in our lives that we ask ourselves, why does this got to happen to me? Why me? Joseph's like, why me? Have you ever been in a season of why me? Okay. Okay. There's some honest in the room. Why me, Lord? There's a reason. And that reason, regardless of what it is, helps us because we know that God has a plan that we can participate in and to achieve something eternal, even in our difficulties, even in the circumstances and all those things swirling around that we don't understand. God does. So this is it. There was a reason. And the reason is found in Genesis 45, 1 through 5. Joseph could stand it no more. Or no longer, sorry. There were many people in the room, and he said to the attendants, out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly that the, the Egyptians could hear him, and the word spread quickly to Pharaoh's home palace. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and again he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But do not be upset. Do not be angry with yourself for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your life. All that, those, those 39 years of his life, there was a plan. There was a purpose. There was a higher calling to get him to where he was going. And when he got to where he was going, God used him in a big way. Big way. Even though Joseph's life was turned upside down, and he suffered many, many lonely nights, lonely days. You know, you know, just the trials of heartbreak and all that. Hebrews 13 tells us, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Listen, when the plan of God, the plan of God is always bigger than we could see or understand. And to the end of this story, we know that Joseph, because of his uh, obedience and because of, you know, uh, being used in Egypt, he saved millions, millions of people, millions, including 
his brothers, including Potiphar, including his employer, Pharaoh, including it all. Joseph saved them all, even though all the injustice fell on him, seemed like he knew, he knew, we know, we have joy in knowing that God is in control. His plan will be, it will come to completion. Joseph, if you can't see it yet, is a foreshadow of Jesus Christ. Joseph and Jesus, a lot of parallels there, a lot of parallels there. So because we know, because we know, okay, guys, because we know that the Messiah comes from the tribe of Judah, which happened to be one of his 10 brothers, not only did Joseph, through his story, through his life, through his life, didn't save just millions of people. He saved the bloodline of our Redeemer, of the Messiah, of Jesus, right? That's the fact. Because of that providence of God. Because, because Jesus would come and suffer and die on a cross to save millions and millions and millions. He is our Redeemer. So that's kind of, kind of how providence works in a, in, a, in a kind of way. We don't always see what's going on behind the scenes, right? It's kind of like this, uh, this watch, right? If I was to take this watch to the jeweler, which I would, and I'd probably break into it myself, but if I was to take it to a jeweler and he was to take the back off the watch, we would see, I would see all the gears and all the mechanisms and all the timing and all the inside stuff. You know, and even seeing that, I don't understand how it's working. You know, I don't understand how God works. I don't understand the providence of God all the time. We don't. But what I do know is I can read the watch. I know what the watch says. I may not know how it's working, but I know what it says. And it's saying to us today that we need to trust Jesus in the unseen. We need to trust God the Father, the Holy Spirit, to work in our lives in the unseen. God is good. He wants to show us and move us to a place. Listen, Joseph suffered. Ain't no doubt about it. Joseph, he suffered 13 years in prison. Prison now. Not jail. Prison. And it took 22 years of his life for his family to be redeemed. I'm here to tell you today, people, that there are, there are some family members in the room that need some restoration in their family. You know, something happened. Doesn't matter. We as people of God, even in the disappointment, are still called to forgive, to love to comfort, to be what God has called us to be. Joseph never allowed disappointment in others to destroy him. 
brothers came seeking food, Egypt, Joseph had the authority and the power to make their life miserable or even to end it. But instead, knowing, you see, you see when in Genesis, when it said that Joseph wept uncontrollably, I believe that in that moment, the Holy Spirit, God himself, spoke into his spirit. And at that moment, he knew that this is what the plan was about. And when we get to the point where God shows us what the plan was about, it changes us. It makes things different. He had a, he had a rainbow word from God. And I'm here to tell you today, there are people here and watching by internet that need a rainbow's word from God. In other words, God is reading your mail and he wants you to know it. So when he speaks, Lord, help us to listen. So what's the point? What's the point? All this. The point is that we need to be people that are going to trust Jesus even in the why me seasons, even when we don't understand why this happens and that happens and this happens. The joy that we receive is the joy of knowing that God is already at my well. And when I get to that well, every need is going to be met for his glory and our good. He had a moment with the Holy Spirit that changed him, that made everything all right. You may be here today, right? And the Holy Spirit is drawing you. God's providence is in the room. We can't escape it. You can't escape it. Is God calling you? Are you hearing the Holy Spirit right now saying, I need you. I need Jesus. I don't know what all these other people got going on, but I know I need Jesus. Is God drawing you? He says, if you believe, if you believe the sacrifice that I've made in your heart, you are saved. You have come to the enlightenment of the truth of who Jesus is. Every, every believer today has had that experience. So if you're here today and you haven't, you're not alone. We're all there. So what is it? What is it that's controlling your world? What is it? If you're here today with all eyes open and you have never experienced the providence of God through the saving grace of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit is pounding inside of you right now, he might be calling you. So if that's you, with all eyes open, with all people looking around, shoot that hand up. Because I'm shooting my hand up. I need Jesus. I need more Jesus. More and more Jesus. Okay. Thank you, Lord. That is an amazing thing. But like we think and understand, if God is drawing you, he will complete that. 
he will finish the work he started in you and in me. Who's controlling your world? I'm here to tell you, God, the Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, we thank you that you are in complete sovereign control. And Lord, we trust you that in that control, you have good for us. Lord, we don't always understand why it may take 20 years, but Lord, we trust you. We pray that the Holy Spirit would give us the courage and the endurance that it would take, that it would take to achieve your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you move, can you put Romans 8, 28 up there? Text up there. Text says, what's the first couple words? And we know, not, and I know, not Randy knows. We know. We know. So, because we know, we're going to read it together. And we're going to allow God's spirit to, to cement the truth of who he is in us as we read the truth of God's word together as a body of believers. Amen? Ready on three. One, two, three. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who are perfect, called to your purpose. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God is good. Amen. He's in charge. Amen. God is large and in charge in your life. If you would, let's just sing a song together. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.